Hello, everyone. This is The Shuffle Bus, and I'm your host, Jesse Bergman. As always, I have my astute friend and co-host, Neil Mullman, joining us today. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Siege 2 meta. Hi, Neil. How's it going? Well, I'm cold again. It's Why like, are you cold again? It only got to like 58 here today. Man, I, I you are seriously going Florida <laughs> soft on me. That's all there is to it. I don't know what you're I don't either. Doing. We're flying back on Christmas Eve to see my parents, and... Uh, and it's like 20 there or whatever. And <laughs> yes, it, it's cold here. It, it is cold here for sure. This week has been not pleasant. And we got about two inches of snow on Sunday morning. Neat. Yeah. Yeah. But I think by the time you get back at Christmas Eve, the way things are looking, it was like 40 here yesterday. So, um, you know, it, it, it was mostly melted off by yesterday. So there's just some lingering on the the ground and roofs and things like that. But for the most part, it's pretty cleared up. Well, I'm not looking forward to it. So as Neil alluded to, this is probably going to be our last recording of the year because we're recording the week before Christmas. We'll probably take the week in between Christmas and New Year's off and we'll come back after the first of the year. But this will come out for you in between Christmas and New Year's. So you'll have some nice yeah, Merry listening. Christmas, everyone. So uh, happy holidays, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx, you're you're in. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're excited. Obviously, we appreciate all our loyal fans that jumped right back into our episode after our brief hiatus, and uh, which I realized wasn't actually as brief a hiatus as I thought, Neil. We, we went two months without recording an episode. That's shame on us for that. Dan Arnold messaged me today uh, saying that he listened to the most recent episode you put up this week and was just very thankful for all our nice words and everything but mostly he told me like he had been listening to the pod since we interviewed scott and there was just no pod to listen to because we took some time off so sorry about that we're back on we'll be on a regular schedule also dan arnold world champion of transformers the trading card game is also world champion of correcting me because apparently in that episode i would just miscounted the rounds we played in packs uh (laughs) Oh, yeah, because I was there were only six constructed rounds, not seven. And I guess I just said seven a million times last episode. So I'm sorry. I, I, I totally but missed that in editing. So uh, it's whoops. It was too long a day. Yes. I thought there was an extra round in there. Well, also, I'm great at the game of Transformers the card. So I just assume I had an extra win. <laughs> if there was another round, I would have won it. I, yeah, well, yeah, maybe <laughs> that's probably true. I mean, at, at that point, you know, who knows what would happen? Uh, I, I it felt like. A billion rounds by the end of the day. That's no doubt. We went into that in great detail. So if you want to hear about our EI experience, uh, check out episode six because we talked all about our EI experience. Yeah, just don't listen to me talk about how many rounds we actually played. (laughs) Yeah, just ignore Neil. Everything else together is a genius. No, no, you should just ignore him altogether through the entire episode. (laughs) I think you'll be better (laughs) off. (laughs) Um, Well, we're we're back. Obviously, um, we are talking Siege 2 meta today because... Uh, I think this is a conversation you and I have been having back and forth over the last couple of weeks since the EI. And we've had another tournament where there were 19 players, which is a significant size tournament. It's not obviously as big as the EI, but it's still right. in the scope with of transformation. The of, it's uh, important. Yeah, with the exception of Gen Con and Origins and PAX, you know, a 20-person tournament is good. All yeah. these uh, PPG tour tournaments have been... The next best thing to the the big wizards ones, you know, they the best players are there. We had some repeat players from the EI in the top eight of uh, Vegas, and um, 
it's still a good good representation of where the game is at at the high level. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And when you look at the top eight lists between EI and PPG, there's some familiar names there. So obviously that tells you the quality of competition was high. And it's possible that some of those players didn't make the EI. We don't know for sure. And so it gave them an opportunity to kind of play at a high level in Vegas instead of at the EI. And uh, obviously those folks are trying to make it to Orlando. Um, yep, at the end of January. Right. Yep. And I think we're, uh, you're going to be at Orlando for sure. I'm still. I'm going for sure. Yeah. I'm still at the time of this recording trying to work out some of the finances around it. Um, but I think that it'll be something I'll make. I, I'm really shooting hard to to try to get there and grind in. And Right. I am not qualified, so I will also be grinding. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to be on the grinder experience this time around. I think that'll be kind of a their, fun. Their grinders are a little different as well, I think. Uh, they're only eight-player max. Okay. Um, I don't I don't know all the details, but I read that on the website last week. Uh They'll be running pods all day, Friday and Saturday, because it's a Sunday event. I kind of um, hope that they're they're actually doing max. something to prevent already qualified individuals. I was listening to a pod today talking about already qualified individuals and how they were knocking out unqualified individuals, like in round one. And because that person had been knocked out, there was no additional tournament data to help them determine whether or not the EI should be passed down. And so that made it kind of awkward for those people that were trying to grind in. At PAX, I hadn't considered that until I listened to that. And I thought that, that does make a little sense. Like they should well, have built them a little differently, I think. Yeah. I mean, they didn't give the the victory out to the person. Like if you were qualified already, you played in one of those and you won, they didn't give you the, they like didn't just X out that qualifier. They just gave it to the second place person and dropped it down and so on. Right. Just like the qualifiers were in the qualifying season. So it, it like, Kind of sucks to be on the losing end of like you sit down across from a qualified person in round one, but it's not that much different than sitting down across from an unqualified person and losing. Sure. You know? No, no, no. I, I agree with that. I'm 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 more just specifically talking about because players would lose one and drop, uh, an and one player could in a in a four person tournament potentially still win if the first place person was uh undefeated and was already qualified but the the way those qualifiers were set up as soon as you lost your round one you were out you know it right because they they just wanted it to be like simple and cut clean so there were no like random tiebreaker things right and so so i did hear a couple of stories in that pod about a few of the grinders where both first and second were both qualified individuals already Mm-hmm. And that meant that they were essentially, in a way, blocking participation. I, I don't think it hurt. I mean, at the end of the day, the EI had 160 plus people in it. So I, I don't think that really hurt it. I just think it's it's an interesting thing. And I hope that that's maybe a little different with these grinders where. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think that many people and, and I could be wrong because the world is full of memes, but I don't think that many people like went out. Uh, on Friday night and said, like, I'm just going to dream crush today. I'm going to play in this just to stop people from qualifying. If if there were qualified people playing, it was just because they wanted the reps. Like, they wanted to see the field the day before and they wanted to, like, play their deck. And, uh, you know, unless unless they 
specifically say that you can't do it if you're qualified, which would have been a nightmare for pastimes to try to figure out. Uh, there's just no way to stop that. And I mean, I guess it sucks if you're in the one that has first and second qualified people, because then they have to like go through all the extra work of figuring out like who would have been third or whatever, you know, it just, the only way they stop that is by telling people that are qualified, can't try to qualify again. And then it's just the nature of the world we live in right now. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely be looking at trying to get to Orlando. Obviously you're going to be there and we'll see how the grinders go. And, and obviously we both hope to qualify and compete uh, through the weekend, but let's talk a little bit about the meta and how it's kind of shaping up because I think we're seeing some trends after the Energon Invitational and after Pro Play Tour uh, Las Vegas. And I think we should talk about what's kind of emerging out of that and what's kind of interesting out of it. And, you know, talk about maybe a little bit about some of what I would call the bugaboos of the format myself personally, where you're going to have to build decks that can beat these kinds of decks and what is the best suited deck for that. And that turns into kind of a hedging your bets on the type of meta because of the kind of rock, paper, scissors nature of the game. So I guess it's kind of rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock, whatever from well, Big Bang Theory. Well, right but. now, I mean, right now I, I think we're pretty close. At least at the highest level, we're pretty close to just rock, paper, scissors. We don't, there's not like a million adjacent decks. Um, it's just like, like at a high level... Where you're just looking at kind of like three wide control involving one of the giants. Uh, and those giants are just for our listenership that maybe is getting into the game or trying to understand what that means. Right. It, it involves either Shockwave or Giant Galactic Prime or Captain Jetfire. Right. And the Shockwave is the wave three shockwave not the wave one correct yeah um and there are other like like this category is bigger than those three there's like some number of octane decks um and there was like a nemesis pseudo deck in the same category in the top eight of the ei uh but it's just it's essentially just if you follow the vector sigma spheres a three wide control deck they just happen to be right now one huge giant guy that's almost all the stars for your team and then two little support guys. Right. And that's that's not that different than what we were seeing in the past. You know, obviously three wide OPBL one origins. Right. The the old and, the old three wide flame war OPBL and 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 hot rod. Hot rod. Right. Yep. Right. So it's it's that archetype where your extra guys add a little bit. Flame War being a good example. We'll see lots of copies of Flame War in this archetype when we look at the top eight for Vegas and for the EI. Um, but any of those little five or four star guys that do something, but mostly what they do is they get turned sideways when you attack and they force your opponent to turn sideways into them. Right. And then the business happens in between when you're generating card advantage and then finally when your big giant guy is left and it's better than whatever your opponent has left because it's a 16-star bot. 
Right. Um, so the, let's, let's talk stats really quick before we get too deep into this conversation, just because I think it's important and I think it highlights where the meta is heading in some ways. So when we look at the EI, the most played characters, Tailwind was found in the top eight decks three times, which represented 37.5% of the decks. Uh, General Optimus Prime, the Wave 3 version, was represented twice. Flame War was represented twice. Night Flight and Shockwave were both represented twice. When we look at PPP, PPG uh, Vegas, things changed a little bit. And I think that's probably a direct reflection of some of the outcomes of EI. So Flame War, Veteran Decepticon, in the top eight at PPG Vegas was represented four times or 50%. So he doubled his output. We added an extra prime, wave three prime. And the airstrike patrols kind of settled into holding two slots while Shockwave still held two slots. So we saw very similar characters, but Flame War just really kind of bubbled to the top at PPG Vegas. Right. And a lot of those decks, we saw more aggro decks at Vegas. Mm -hmm. Um, And only by a little bit, though. Like, it's all pretty close, right? Like, uh, the... It's funny that you were talking about Tailwind because... Tailwind is obnoxious. Yes. Like, he is... I don't know if he's the best character that I could print it in Wave 4, but he's damn close. I, I definitely think for a five-star bot, Tailwind... Cards like... There, there's probably three five-star bots I think would be argued as being the best five-star bot to invest in in the game. One would be Tailwind from Wave 4. And to me, the other two would be RC from Wave 1 and Flame War from Wave 1. Right. Both both the motorcycles from Wave 1 were uh, unique, right? Like Yes. They're, they're both really one-sided. Yep. Uh, one leaning very towards aggro, one leaning very towards uh, control. Though I guess, I guess you could make the claim that RC is also good in control. Um, but... Like they just have like inflated stats and very good support abilities. Um, Tailwind, on the other hand, is just not only is Tailwind like a seven star bot worth of stats for five stars, but it makes your like other four star bots into like six or five star bots. Yeah, they kind of uh, he kind of through like, the battle flips turns you into. A, a kind of a minor version of Blaster where Blaster discounts his cassettes and so makes the cassettes essentially punch a little above the curve because you're technically only paying four stars for those cassettes instead of five stars. And so when you're paying four stars for uh, Ramhorn and for Steeljaw in particular, you, you get extra value. You you Like I said, you punch above the curve. And so Tailwind is allowing you to go wider with the Airstrike Patrol team and punch above the curve. Or you uh, just get to play three five power guys, like right for exactly for thirteen stars, and it, it's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. And Watsi Watsi uh, even wrote about the Nemesis four wide deck that was more of a four wide control deck more than an aggressive shell at EI that took eighth. And 
you know, they, they mentioned in, in there even using the, the bot ability of one of them to, to get, you know, a bold sixth playoff. I, I would be curious and I'd love to talk to that player how many times he actually did that because my guess is it's probably zero. My my guess would also be zero. Uh, I don't know why you'd ever even try. Like, what's the point of using a tap ability on your like awesome seven attack guy? Like, yeah, you're just gonna flip green I mean. into oranges when it attacks. Like, it <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm saying here. I'm, I'm saying know. like, obviously, I'm not sure that Watsy really fully understands, and I I maybe maybe I missed something. Maybe it happened in the top eight, and I just didn't see the game, and so at the end of the day, it actually went off that way, but I would just find that to be very unlikely that, especially when you've got a mostly right. blue shell that you're going to go right. for and, a And the six. deck that they were talking about specifically is a control deck, so it's never going to do that because it doesn't want bold. Right. Uh, but, you know, they, they were obviously, like, you played against the five-wide airstrike plus scrapnel. Like, like, that's a deck that would want bold six, but I also think that deck would just rather attack with Visper, whichever one does that. Well, yeah, especially because that, and that was Matthew Brower, who was um, a top four finisher at Origins. And, you know, he he was building uh, Tailwind into a monster with Focus Fire. That was the whole point of that deck. So he was wanting to swing for seven or eight with the little guys, let Scrapnel take a bunch of attacks, let the little guys get, you know, kind of sucked up in the the melee while... While Tailwind just gets suited up into, you know, a one hit kill bot for five stars, which is pretty awesome. I, I really did like that deck. So, you know, shout out to Matthew for that. Like, So going into Origins and Gen Con, you know, there was a lot of talk about how OPBL is the best bot in the game. We need to ban it. It's so unfair. Like, does that mean we need to ban Tailwind? Tailwind's a better bot than OPBL. Yeah, it's it's that's a funny question. Um, I don't think so, obviously. 100% it's better than OPBL. Yeah, I, I do think he's better than OPBL, but I don't think he needs to be banned to answer oh, your no, question. I, I don't think he should be banned either. It's I just, more like, rhetorical. I like giving people a hard time about that. Because, sure. like, how many OPBLs did we see in the, in these lists? Like, one? Two? Yeah, a lot of them in the sideboard, right? Um, right, and none in the main. Always sideboard. Yeah. And, like, Ian, Ian we has have sideboard. four Tailwinds in the main, so. Yeah. Yep. Ian, Ian played OPBL in the sideboard and he actually cited it in on Dan. But I think in hindsight, like to me, that, that seems like a mistake against a three wide control deck to go too tall aggro. I think that's um, really hard for too tall aggro to beat three wide control, especially when that three wide guy has just an enormous health pool. Yeah, it. I don't know that that match was interesting. When we have Dan on the show, you can ask him about it. Um, yeah, I mean it was close. But, it was tight, right? I mean he talked about it in his tournament yeah. report today on Vector Sigma, where um, he said, you know, games one and two we were within one health point of each other. So it wasn't till Dan didn't firmly put it in his control. I don't think until it went to the two white on after board. So that's interesting. But I, I will we will talk about Dan about that. I don't want to fall into that too much, but this right. is a meta so, discussion, so I think it's important to discuss the other. The other archetypes that we saw were aggro, which turned out to be wide aggro. There was a bugs, obviously uh, the four wide general optimus. It won Vegas. It was in the top eight of EI, but it's all these like wide aggro decks, and essentially they're all airstrike, um, except for except for the bugs, obviously. But we know what bugs does. Right. But we can kind of lump them in the same 
group, I think, just for the rock, paper, scissors element. Um, and then the third thing was combo, which we had a combo in the top eight of Vegas. We didn't have a combo in the top eight of the AI. Um, EI, not AI. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making sure we don't get Dan Arnold on here correcting us. Well, he, I think it's going to become a thing where he just corrects me all the time. <laughs> but uh, so the Blaine... Booblets. Is it just like it sounds? I yep. hope I don't mess up your name, Blaine, if you're listening. Um, obviously, he was the one I was talking about going undefeated in constructed rounds on the last episode. He got uh, into the the top eight of Vegas playing the same list. And there have just been like articles essentially by him and every content creator about his deck, including a podcast that came out this week of him just talking about how like we're still in a situation where none of the answers work. Right. And... I don't know that I 100% agree with all that, but I do think the deck is good. And I do think that combo decks in general will continue to be good. And it fills out this nice little rock, paper, scissors of combo being favored against control, which is favored against aggro. And aggro is favored against combo. Like it's a literal rock, paper, scissors. Um, And obviously you want to build your deck in any of those areas to be to try to shore up your matchup against the one you're bad against because it's not like an auto loss in any of those situations it's just you know you would lean towards the aggro being good against the combo you would lean towards the combo being good against control and so on um but i i think that's good you know we we were scared going into the ei first that it was just going to be like combo world uh, and then they banned multi-mission gear, which was healthy for the yes. game. I think uh, I think that was still a really good banning. I don't I think that's one of the points we're trying to make here is while combo is emerging as one of the trifecta of top tier decks, it's not as broken or as consistent when MMG was still in. Right. Obviously, favor. of the 16 decks we're talking about here, if we're just looking at the most recent two top eights, there was only one. Um but it's just it's important to keep that on the radar because it fills out that corner of the like rock paper scissors um, pretty nicely. And you know we after they banned multi mission gear, we were really afraid that it was just going to be like all three wide control, just like whatever giant guy slogging against the other. Um, you know because at the. Uh, Pro Tour Columbus, it was just all shockwaves. <laughs> just like right. many, many shockwaves in those 20 players. Um, and that was before the other giant ones were printed, obviously. But Right. And just for some quick stats on that top eight at, at uh, Columbus, they actually go out. I think they did the whole tournament. So they, they actually show all the decks, not just the top eight. And I think there were 17 players in that and four shockwaves were present there. And then you had your top your top card at, at that time. This is pre-wave four, by the way, too, uh, was private fire drive. So we had right. we had a before sabotage armaments was printed. There were lots of fire drives. Yes. Yeah, exactly. He was the number one bot representative there. But we had a tournament with uh, Pro Play Tour Dallas, which we didn't cover because we were on our hiatus. But. Pro Play Tour Dallas saw Flame War uh, sitting firmly at the top of the top eight there with 
um, with three copies. But we did see two shockwaves still. Shockwave has been very consistent. And uh, outside of that, there there was a bunch of ties for 12.5% representation. So clearly the meta wasn't solved yet. Dallas was a tournament where the combo decks were. And there were two of them that did very well. Um, but they, they didn't win again. Uh, but there was also like in first and second place of that tournament was a shockwave deck that just had like six extra main deck combo answers and uh, a blaster deck that had a main deck turbo board. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like, it wasn't even sideboard turbo board. It was just like blaster turbo board plus cassettes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just it just knew, right, that that was what it was going to do. Um, right. And it, I mean, so, again, you might think that combo is not there because of stuff like that, but we just... We still want to live in an, in that era where like all the top decks have to have twenty percent of their deck devoted to beating combo, and even then you still might not because uh, you know Blaine's new article talking about Springer about how those cards just don't beat it um, may they, not even be a thing. They, they so, certainly like is, you know when Blaine talks about that, he does say you know look that they are answers to the combo. They're just not consistent hard lock answers. They're they're uh, situational soft answers. With with the exception of Turbo Board himself being a problem, but can be dealt with in the version of the deck he built where Fire Drive exists because uh, Fire Drive can then just go ahead and kill Turbo Board in one shot, and then you can fire your combo a few turns later right. instead. Well, you can. What's funny is that because of a conversion engine, you can attack the f- Turbo Board. With your fire drive, and then on the end of your own turn, combo up and win. That's uh, true. Because you'll kill it, and then end of your turn, Springer will flip and start doing a bunch of stuff, and that stuff leads to daring escape. Right. And so it's it's pretty resilient to that stuff. I I haven't played the deck personally. It looks cool, um, but it's just it's just something to be aware of when we're talking about the meta, because so many of the like the three wide control archetype specifically is very diverse right now. Like I said, there's Prime and Shockwave and Jetfire and uh, Octane a little bit. You know, you could make an argument for Nemesis. Uh, like all those big guys are pretty interchangeable. They're at least like very close. And the decks end up looking different but they don't function differently they all function similarly and again props to dan and scott and the vector guys um specifically the miami vector guys that came up with that deck they played that galaxy prime deck um that deck just turned out to be the best version of that like against itself Mm-hmm. Where you it know, definitely we were it definitely emerges on this on the sphere the top of the sphere for three wide control I think I think Shockwave has a hard time beating it and I think um, Jetfire I mean the reason we played Jetfire going in was because we felt it was very resilient to Shockwave which is what we expected to see and right. I never ran into a Shockwave the entire day uh, I, I did you. and it's not fair like yeah. It just shockwave makes you discard. Like it. shockwave, like mines rot you over the course of three turns, which is uh, discard two cards in Magic. Um, yep. And Jetfire just draws seven or whatever in that same time. Right. Exactly. So it, it, it's it's a perfect counter to shockwave. So I think 
I, I mean, it's, it's great to see Shockwave sitting high atop the list, and it makes sense that at PPG Vegas, I don't think there was, in, at least in the top eight, I don't know what the field looked like, but in the top eight, there was no Galaxy Primes present. So I think it makes sense to see Shockwave kind of rise to the top when there's no Galaxy Prime or Jetfire kind of hovering around the top players' tables, right? Like when those those decks start hovering around the top players' tables, I think Shockwave takes a hit. And, and I think EI right, shows that. The Galaxy Prime, especially the specific list that, that Dan played, um, again, was slanted towards beating Shockwave. Um, it doesn't draw as many cards as the Jetfire deck does, but both flips of Optimus, uh, the flip to reveal and play an action, and the when it attacks, play an upgrade, are, you know, there's like like 85% of drawing a card. Right. Like it it's, has the it's, chance it's to miss, advantage. but it's usually pretty right. And and so that I mean that's how you beat Shockwave is consistent card advantage because they you know, Shockwave's biggest thing that it does against you is it puts you on zero cards. Right. And so that that deck, you know, it had equipment enthusiasts in it, it had work overtime in it, and it even had uh, a couple copies of incoming transmission. Um and just like that little bit of Card advantage shored up the the shockwave matchup enough that you could leverage the prime's better combat abilities than the jetfire. Like like the jetfire versus that deck is really bad. It's Correct. really hard for jetfire to win because they, I would they draw like an equivalent number like... of cards. But Galaxy Prime has eight power, and he like on top of drawing extra cards, he plays extra cards. Which Jetfire doesn't do. Correct. Um, so it's just like, like what I think is the best version. Um, not even Dan's exact list. Uh, there's a couple of things that I would change, but close to that. General Galaxy Prime being just, in my opinion, the strongest of those guys. Yeah, um, and I and I agree. I think if I was going to play a three white control list, I'd be playing. Uh, a galaxy prime list whether it's the vector list or some iteration of that um and then we could talk a little bit about uh some iteration pieces that i think might help you if you expect a heavy mirror where you're going to play a lot of three wide control and i think you even hinted at it a little bit in our last episode when you talked about the two jetfire mirrors where uh you got war of attrition and that was the de- deal breaker in terms of breaking the you know, the mirror. Right. And it, that specifically the Jetfire thing, like War of Attrition was good. Um, War of Attrition is a card that like, I personally don't like very much. Um, though it's, it's very possible that my initial like evaluation of that card is wrong. Um, Cause I've seen it in the lists, like in Shockwave, in Jetfire. I assume somebody's played it in Prime. Um, and it, it just, I don't like giving my opponent the choice where to put the damage. It seems like that just like is not good half the time, but the heal three was definitely relevant in the match I played the jet fire mirror match. Right. And, and I think I, I, I don't disagree with you. Obviously like collectums are slow, uh, and whether or not they're solid is, is an interesting, um, debate. And I think obviously only time will tell. 
uh, as this meta continues to evolve as to whether or not War of Attrition matters. But wow. when we look at Xander's deck from PPG Las Vegas, he is running three War of Attrition in his Shockwave three wide. Right. And- but like I said, it's it's definitely playable. It's just not one that I like. Um, and it's it's one of those cards that's like, it's like really good in the the control mirror. Yeah, when you're because you end up inevitably in this situation where like you're down to my big giant guy versus your big giant guy, and we're just hitting each other with wet noodles for like three or four at a time, and then it's really good because they have to pick their giant guy, and you get to heal and like six points of damage. Swing is Huge. more than you're attacking for anyway. Um, and one thing I'll say about those collectums, uh, I I still really don't like extra padding. And uh, poor attack drone, man, that just got, like, put right in the dirt when they printed Sabotage Armaments. Right. Um, But in general, they have a green pip. So they're all, like, pretty okay in the Airstrike Patrol decks. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they're essentially just, like, stats plus whatever pip they normally have when you flip them you know focus fire being a triple orange uh attack drone being like plus two attack flip two more cards like that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. it's not that i would ever really play that i don't think but like anything that's a green pip is much more attractive now that tailwind is printed (laughs) yeah you're absolutely right um i mean that you're seeing a lot more green pip relevancy because Essentially, with the airstrike patrols, green pips have turned into orange or blue pips, so it just makes those and, cards. I mean, green pips were already like the most important pips, correct? Uh, just because those are like the only cards in your deck you can always count on drawing, so you want them to be like good every time. But the tailwind printing has added an entire other dynamic where, like, before you wanted you know six or seven like good green pips that probably all did different things just so like you have them at the juncture of the game that you want them and you can always count on them for card test reasons. Right. But now you still have that availability, but also they're just like, sometimes it's a triple orange. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty it's, good. Like it's pretty even insane, look at, man. Like it's, it's like, pretty crazy. Stefan was playing just tailwind in a shockwave team. Uh, he was playing Sights and Tailwind as his extra guys. And, like, that says a lot about Tailwind by itself because he's just bigger than five stars. Like, he's not, you're not getting the additional value of the extra guys, but he's still good enough, right? Like, right. he's just enormous. And obviously, in that situation, you never flip him. Uh, and, and Dan discussed in his article like, <laughs> on Vector Sigma today uh, his seal pool, and he had Tailwind in his seal pool. And managed to come out of sealed undefeated as well. And he, like he said in that pool, he goes, I didn't have a bomb. Like he didn't have a, an SRT or. Well, or, except for Tailwind, who's the best bot in the game. Right. But that, that's the whole <laughs> point. In a format where, um, you know, defense doesn't matter, health matters, and then there's a ton of green pips like limited. I mean, Tailwind's just one of the best punching bots for investment you can get. I mean, it's it's just kind of insanity. So, right. Especially in the, in the current like sealed beta where going wide is very beneficial because defense stats essentially don't matter due to all the black pips you can play. Yeah. Um, a guy that lets you go really wide, but still attacks for five is like pretty damn good. 
Yeah, he absolutely, without a doubt. But so let's know, talk about if, if we're talking about constructed meta. Uh, he's also good there. Yes, and like I don't know. Obviously, I played him all weekend and. Right. I want to play him some more. So let's talk about battle cards for just a second. I want to go back to the Siege 1 meta for just a moment, though, when we discuss this, because um, I think this is really interesting to see how much the game has shifted since Gen Con. So they, when you break down the top four decks at Gen Con, we didn't, we didn't break down the field or the top eight because they cut top four at Gen Con. Uh, grenade Launcher was found in complete copies of every deck 100%. Peace of Tyranny was found in complete copies in every deck for 100%. Uh, Supercharge was 75% represented. Bastion Shield was 100% represented. Uh, and then Reckless Charge was in 75% of decks. That's your top uh, five cards that were played at Gen Con. Now, when we when we fast forward to the EI, and actually I'm going to fast forward to PPG Pro play Dallas for just a second because I think it's really interesting even here when we look at after wave four is launched, uh, 50% of decks had Peace of Tyranny. So only half of the decks actually had copies of Peace of Tyranny. Half of the decks had security checkpoints. Uh, 50% of the decks had sabotage armaments, which makes sense. Uh, 50% of the decks had hidden fortification. And then 37.5% of the decks had improvised shield. So those are your top five cards going into... PPG Dallas. So we're clearly right. seeing one, a shift, One caveat right? to the Dallas thing is like, I would be interested to see those numbers more if you like remove the cog decks. Um, sure. Because having the cog deck in there really like makes those numbers all wacky because it doesn't care about any of those cards except for Peace or Tyranny. And, right. Yeah. Uh, so the if you just took into account the other decks, I would be interested to see, but... I'm definitely not prepared for that on this show. <laughs> right. I, I know. I, it was just something I thought about while you were saying it. Yeah. And like uh, these combo decks, they just have so much like weird crap in them that uh, those numbers are just probably from Dallas a little. Yeah, I, I think. But, but but you can see clearly a shifting of the meta, right? Like, oh, yeah. Four it, came it definitely out. describes the trend of like we went from. All the decks having all the reckless charges and grenade launchers. Right. And double orange pips to like being more half and half. So now when we go to EI, this is going to be pretty, pretty interesting. But ultimately, the number one card represented was Matrix of Leadership. It was in 50% of the top eight decks. Security Checkpoint was represented 50% of the time. And it was in, uh, it had 12 copies uh, in there. The Bigger They Are was third with 11 copies and 50%. And I don't understand this particular stat, so we'll have to talk to maybe the Fortress Maximus people. But Sturdy Javelin was represented 11 times, but they say it's 62.5% of the deck. So my guess is there was some variation in distribution of number of Sturdy Javelins across the deck. So there were more decks right. that had it, but just not full play sets. And then I Mark's, know that the uh, the Bugs deck specifically only had two. So that might be where it's coming up with a 62.5% representation in decks. But then marksmanship was an eleven at fifty percent as well. So clearly, I mean, that's there. Are, there's only one orange pip in that whole thing, and that's a matrix of leadership. And we know why the matrixes were so rep- well represented, right? Because we had a bunch of bunch of primes, uh, and prime is just one of the best targets for matrix. Oh yeah, giant primes like bot side ability is just like once matrix so bad. Yeah, you, it's when you flip orange blue, you play one of the upgrades. So you just like flip and play matrix every time so what i find most interesting about this is traditionally like 
in our past experiences, I mean, I, 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 to be fair, I haven't played in a major card tournament for probably 15 years. The last time I played in one was uh, during the Versus days. And, uh, but typically when a new set comes out, aggro tends to dominate the meta right out of the gate. And PPG Dallas definitely kind of didn't seem like aggro was dominating. Energon Invitational clearly shows aggro not dominating. And then when we get to PPG Vegas, now we're starting to see aggro cards coming back in. There's 62.5% decks have Grenade Launcher. It's the number one represented card in the top eight. Uh, 50% had Reckless Charge. And then we had Matrix at at 50%, Peace of Tyranny at 50%, and Improvised Shield at 37.5%. So all of a sudden, like for whatever reason, Vegas turned into the aggro tournament. Do you, do you find that kind of intriguing? I find it kind of intriguing. Well, I, I think when you break it down, it makes a lot of sense because in this game specifically, we start with half of our deck in play, right? Like like a large amount of what your deck is going to do is in the bots and they just sure. start on the table. And when we look at wave four, bots and specifically like you don't find a lot of bots that you're just like, God, I want to put a grenade launcher on this, right? Like you see all these bots that are like big, giant, unfair control guys. And so that's, you know, that's where you gravitate to. And especially, especially because the last, like I, I kind of leave Dallas out on purpose because of the weird combo things. But like the last time we had a, a big tournament before that was Columbus and it was all shockwaves and all blasters and Jetfire and prime have a good matchup against both of those things. So that's where right. we went, you know, and everybody kind of obviously like the people that are at the top of the game, the people that made top eight at the EI, uh, know that and we're making that adjustment. So that's why we like, well, to me, that's, that makes Dallas a lot of is- sense. Dallas or Columbus is hard for us to break down because instead of being consistent in reporting just the top eight, we got 17 decks, but the, the most represented card still, even at Columbus, even though it wasn't the winner was, was a grenade launcher. Uh, Right. There were a lot of blaster there. Right. Yeah. I mean, there was uh, one, two, three, four, five blaster decks. So five of the 17 decks, almost a third of the field was aggro. So obviously the aggro cards are still going to kind of dominate. And, when and there was the like field. cars and uh, there was a Grimlock deck and stuff. Like, I, I mean, that was the first real tournament we had after Gen Con. Right. And obviously at Gen Con, everything was aggro. And Blaster would like, it was like the first real tournament that wasn't two days after Blaster being released for retail. <laughs> Yeah, you're exactly right. Because Gen Con was not I don't I don't know how many days it actually was between Gen Con and when the Blaster Soundwave deck was released. I think the Blaster was deck it, was released at Gen Con. Was it the same day? I don't I think know. it was that I think it was that weekend. I'm I'm not I gonna know that, make claim to like, that, but Right. And so there was just nobody playing Blasters. It was kind of like the new thing, because we hadn't had a new set printed. And it was good. It was represented in that tournament a lot. And like, uh, obviously, Vector, Vince from Deck Vector played it. Vector had a list that was pretty good and performing well. Um, and it's just like flashy and fun and new. So it, it makes a lot of sense that like a good aggro deck with the new cards would be a ton at Columbus. Um, right. Yeah, I agree with that. But so I, 
I don't think it's that much of a stretch. Obviously, the Wizards had said they were trying to design the game to slow down a little bit coming into uh, Wave 4, and they did a good job. Man, every round went straight to time. Sure. But, yeah, at uh, the EI especially. I, I don't know about Vegas. I, I, I don't, yeah, that's true. I don't know how the time went. I mean, if somebody was if somebody listening to this show was at Vegas, uh, you know, just drop us a comment on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever, because I definitely would like to know was was time and round time and still an issue at Vegas, or did the meta start to kind of shift? I mean, clearly we had an aggro deck win, we had a three white control deck. And second, we had another aggro deck uh, and another three-wide deck that were split tied for third, fourth. And then uh, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth were all equal. And they were a mix mash of combo, aggro, and uh, three-wide control. So um, from from that perspective, I don't know. I don't know whether games went to time or whether or not those aggro decks like four-wide General Optimus and four-wide Grimlock that were played, as well as three-wide General Optimus from Ian Wall, who who is an aggro deck as also... Yeah. Um, if those, if those decks push the game back to a, a more suitable speed. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine. Like the, the EI had a lot of things outside of the games themselves that made it take a long time. Like obviously the games themselves took a long time because there was lots of control decks there, but also it was a million jillion players. It was a lot of players who were very new to the cards that were being played. And so that all adds up to every round, you know, being very long. But yep. in general, I think it'll get faster just because people will be more uh, experienced at playing their cards. And obviously, Vegas had more aggro decks in it, so maybe we'll see it shift that way. But, you know, um, I, I think that we're in a pretty good place. You know, Drew from Wizards said at the end of the tournament that he thinks that the meta looks very healthy, um, that it's very diverse. Uh, you know, I, I think it can be broken down into these like aggro control combo things. You know, if you want a more descriptive version of that than like my rock, paper, scissors thing, go to Vector Sigma and read their spheres. That stuff still applies. Right. Um, and they break it down, you know, into the seven or 10 extra things that I didn't talk about, but, just looking at the top eight from my point of view, this is what it looked like to me. And it's what it felt like playing that day. And I think that's good. Like I, at least we're not in a 100% of the decks have a grenade launcher meta anymore. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're right. I think that, I think that obviously the game has evolved into a very healthy place based upon how the EI shaped up and how the PPG tours have influenced the meta as well. I think they definitely have no matter no matter what uh, they're, they're influencing player decision and player testing. Um, so I, I think the meta is definitely clearly defined for wave four right now. I, I'm not sure. Maybe somebody will put something out at I, Orlando that will be a curveball into that, but I would expect I don't think very that similar results at Orlando. Yeah. I don't think that it's solved. Um, like, I, I don't think we're in a situation where like a hundred percent, this is the best deck. Like, I don't think it's solved, but like, we're at least in a place now where I feel comfortable. Like when I look at a deck, I'm like, okay, well, it seems like I do good against this, but not against this kind of thing, which going to the EI, I'm not even sure I could say that. Yeah, like, I agree with I just, that. I wasn't really sure what was coming at me. And now you kind of have a good idea. 
just because we've had a couple tournaments and that always happens, you know. Um, but you're right. I mean, Orlando's coming up in a month and it, it'd be cool to see something wacky and different. I, I think we're a little bit past that, but, uh, obviously there was a Grimlock in the top four of Vegas. So who knows? Yeah. I, and I, I think that kind of segues nicely into what I want to talk about kind of moving forward, because I think it's easy to fall into the trap of, uh, well, I need to play one of the meta decks because that's what's going to win. And I don't disagree. Those are the decks you need to build and you need to test against because no matter what deck you come up with, if you're going to go play at a big tournament, you're going to play those things. But that doesn't mean that there isn't something lurking out there in the shadows of the the interwebs or in your own brain that could potentially upset that apple cart. Um and, and I think, you know, obviously teams like Vector Sigma, that's what they look for, right? Like that's that's the the 1% that they're looking for is that that dark horse corner case that plays on an axis that is different than what is expected. Um, and so I, I just want to have a little fun. You know, we're, we're going to have a little fun for the tail end of our segment today. Uh, I really well, like... Well, I, I don't really like fun, Jesse, so I'm not I, sure I'm in for this. Uh, fair enough, but I'm going to have some fun then. You can just <laughs> you can just grind your way through this conversation with me. But uh, I love Fortress Maximus IO. Uh, if you're not using that site right now, I think that you should definitely consider it. It's FortressMaximus.io. I'm going to give them a huge shout out. I don't know who runs it, uh, but it's pr- easily one of the best sites for uh collaboration looking at decks looking at what people are building i'm not saying that any of that stuff is going to be turned. it does have it has a great deck builder and it has great analytics which obviously you've been using this whole episode correct I, uh, we, that's so. that's everything i use to do all the tournament reporting i think that saves us you know you and i and any other uh serious player uh, a lot of time and analysis, right? Because we can just get the information quickly. It's always available. We don't have to build our own spreadsheets and wade through the data and do all of that stuff. That it, it's doing it for us, which is super powerful. Um, but I love, I love, like when you go to their decks section, there's a trending, popular, and a recent. And I just, I love this because it kind of shows what the community is interested in. And I, I really want to start maybe discussing at least as part of our segments. Uh, the the decks that are trending over the last week, like what decks have been trending, because I think that gives a pretty good temperature to the general community. Uh, obviously, these decks, there's a lot of the same builders in this, like uh, the currently number one trending deck on there is uh, from a user named Matafer, M-A-T-A-F-E-R, and he's got 42 stars i'm guessing that some of those are rating increases but some of that's also just you get a star every time you submit a deck <laughs> so it's i mean he, if i were to look at his deck well, if list, that's the and, case i'm going to be the leader soon well he's got he's got four pages of decks so and there's one <laughs> two three four five six seven eight nine there's ten decks per page so at least 40 of his decks are that but he does have a number of them that have been star rated as well but he's got a currently a deck um that is number one on trending right now he, he just calls it aggro jets and and this is kind of a guy that's after my own heart in some ways because like this is just kind of a dorky deck that makes cool things happen it's got starscream air command which is the 11 star wave one bot it's got Skywarp from wave one and thundercracker so this is like the old school like we're playing with the least efficient bots in the game because they were all 
way understated and overcosted, right? When we really talk about wave one bots, maybe with the exception of OPBL, because I don't think they knew how to actually like uh, cost I, him and and the, flame war. The and planes RC. in general are all really small. Yeah, like well, well, this is a pure planes not damn tailwind. That is, I have no idea what if this deck is any good, but boy, does it kind of look like fun to play. I mean, it's got like. Uh, crazy stuff like like sturdy javelins. Of course, it's got all the standard I, I had to stuff. Read Null Ray of Starscream. Hang yeah, on. Null Ray of Starscream is crazy, but it does give Starscream bold crazy too, bad. right? <laughs> it is bad. It's bad, but but I mean, I guess you get bold four on Starscream's bot mode side. That's not completely terrible, right? Like, uh, yeah, this deck is not going to run into a meta deck that's running SA and come out of it a happy camper. But at, at the end of the oh, day, if if I trade, if I was going to pick a card that I wanted to die to SA, Null Ray of Starscream would be way on the top of the list. Sure. Not, not, not? the literal best, but. Yeah. But, it, <laughs> but it, it requires no tricks to set up. Like, you know, when we look at Kinetic Intensifier Whip, right, which requires tricks to set up because you got to flip the bot to get the bold two side. Like, this is essentially the same thing, only you actually got an orange relevant pip. It can only be it's, played on Starscream. Yeah, Star it's not Star. an awful card. No, no. It, it just, just requires you to play an awful card. guy. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. But I, I just, these are the kinds of things that I like. And, and I like to look at because uh, I do think the community is is kind of, you know, out there dorking around with things like this. And you never know. That's how things kind of to me, that's how you get creative inspiration that can lead to uh, finding an answer in the meta. I don't think this is the answer, just to be clear. But, um, you know, so just kind of looking at what has come out in the last week that has had over 100 views. And has received at least a rating from the community. There are three decks that came out of that. Uh, the Agrojex from Metaphor has 319 views in the last week, which is clearly leading, uh, and received two boosts in uh, support from the audience with the star ratings. But then there's an Impactor Overdrive five wide, uh, and this is clearly playing off of the bold powertrain uh, slash Captain Impactor bold. Uh, off-road patrol design using four-wheel drive and i kind of this is kind of near and dear to my heart because it's kind of a an evolution of my trucks and bucks deck so i I don't know whether this one's better or not i have no idea just just so you guys all know he spells trucks and bucks with x that's right because it's very important to the deck it is 100 percent important to the deck man like I can't, trucks, be getting, I can't be getting sued by the Nebraska lottery because they trademarked trucks and bucks for their scratch tickets. Okay, so I had to do something different. But okay. anyways, um, the third deck that's seen over a hundred views that has been rated is one called Police Brutality from a user uh, Boa Nick, and it's got five user upvotes. And I don't know if that means that people have played it and it actually is good or whether or not um, it's something different. But this is a four-wide cars deck using Barricade. And Barricade's really interesting to me for seven stars because he's pretty beefy stat-wise. And I, I've been asking around, and I don't know, maybe maybe you know, and maybe one of our users know, I can't decide from his ability whether or not the card under him that you play is whether one, can you look at it? Because the other cards you can't, but this one seems to say I can play it. So does that mean I get to look at it to decide to play it? Or two, whether or not it actually counts as your action or upgrade for the turn? I don't well, know. Well, it definitely doesn't count as your action or upgrade for a turn. Okay. Because things that just come, like abilities that instruct you to play a card don't do that. It's the same as like uh, like field communicator or whatever. You so know, just, just, 
just for our users before we before we dive into that i I just want to read his description abilities so in his alt mode it says when you flip to this mode you may play a battle card from under this his babo says when this battles and has no battle cards under him after the battle put one of your flip battle cards that has no battle cards icons under this instead of into your scrap pile wow I got really tongue-tied with that. But what's what's interesting about this, there, there's a couple of things. One, I'm, I'm kind of really weird about templating. It's funny that when he's in alt mode, he's a this. And then when he's in melee, he's turned into a him. Like, I don't know why it's not when this battles and has no battle cards under this. Instead, it's under him. But whatever. Well, like, like, it's just weird to me. I mean, he's um, a car. He's not a person. Yeah, yeah, but he's not a person as a body either. It's right? a car. I don't okay. know. Yeah. So I don't assume gender, Jesse. I, I know, but I just it's just one of those things that like interesting. Anyways, but it has proud military strategist, which is we all know is a great car, right? We know we know I mean he's been in every cars deck because it gives all your cars bolt to and uh, he's been in every four white cars deck. Uh prowl strategist, strategic mastermind, which is We've had, we t- I mean, Ian talked about this recently, how Mastermind just gives you a lot of value for no work, right? Because you just start out with bold one base. He's got five base stat attack, 10 health and one. So he's he's really good for seven stars. And then he's got the lone stakeout, right? Which is just there because you needed a small bot to fill in, a four-star bot to fill in this team. Uh, but the deck is mostly orange, which we should expect, right? It does have a backup beam, which... I, I hate backup beam. I, I, I realize people like well, it, and it's whatever. it's just in there to give the barricade bold because there's only one card in this whole deck that barricade can actually eat, mm-hmm. uh, ready for action. So this is like a weird version of uh, wreck and rules anticipation cards because um, it has all the untaps and has all the ready for actions, right? And it just I guess it wants to play ready for action off the barricade flip. I'm guessing like that's what it's fishing cute. for. I don't know, but it's kind of so cool, the, right? The like, this is kind of a cool the prowl and stuff. Give barricade bold so you can flip more cards to put the ready fraction under him. Right. What I like about this deck is, again, I, there, there's parts and pieces and decisions that I I probably wouldn't have made in my own deck building decisions, but I'm willing to try it. I actually think this is a deck that I'm willing to try. I think this is. This looks like it's playing potentially on an axis that's a little different than what we've seen uh, traditionally. It, it is, you're right, it looks like it may be somewhat derivative of uh, Joe from Wreck and Rules Anticipation Engine, but it's clearly not buying completely into Anticipation Engine because it's only playing two of Anticipation Engine. It's not going for the right. whole it's just, playset. It's just like all the untaps. It has all the turbo boosters and all the start your engines and ready for action. And Barricade um, seems pretty good with that, right? I guess. I, I'll tell you what. When I read Barricade the first time, I didn't read that it had to be a blank. And I thought it was just the best card ever printed. Like, yeah, right. It was just like seven-star OPBL. But uh, then I read him again and realized he's just like, okay. Yeah, but I, I <laughs> he's, think... He's a cool card for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I, 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 don't, I think he's, he's a perfect example of a bot in Wave 4 that's statted more aggressively, right? For seven stars, he's, he's a really good seven-star just on pure stats alone. I mean, five twelve one for seven stars. Um, you know, when we talked about wave one, we always said that anything above the two point stat curve minus ability was that's, was always great. That's a little different now that the the health pools are bigger, but correct, I mean, he's fine. Yeah, yeah. So now we're looking at eighteen for seven. So he's he's punching um, almost two point three five ish. I mean, I'm not doing the math right now, but he's got um, he's got a problem in that like. His stats are the same as Impactor, 
Correct. And Impactor is really good. I, I do agree. And Impactor is really good. But uh, I, this guy's fine. So, it sucks I mean, that he's a character from the Michael Bay film. Yeah, that's that's true too. But um, but I just I I mean I hey just give me a shout out to Bo Nick. This is what just what I wanted to add into the kind of the tail end of our sequence is talking about decks that the community is building that are getting uh, some love on Fortress Maximus because sometimes I think there's some really cool ideas in there. Uh, maybe the deck isn't completely refined. I mean, you know, even even Blaine uh, Bublitz talked about this on the podcast that he was on this week, where like he put out the information on the Springer combo because he wants the community to work on a beating it and b making it better. Like he wanted both of those things to happen, and so by sharing that information, um, he was able to you know feel like that was a uh, a thing he was doing. And so I think this is kind of similar, right? Like this is probably the bones of an interesting deck, whether or not it actually is good. I don't know. I've not played it. Uh, when we talk about this in this segment, I want to always preface that with we're not, I'm not endorsing this deck as the answer to anything, but it is interesting. and something that I think more eyes should look at because there maybe is something here. I played a lot of stakeouts this weekend. I'll tell you what. You did play a lot of stakeouts. He's not very good. No. But I played him a lot. But we talked about this the other day, right? We were talking about another deck and theory crafting another deck. And you're just like, well, you're going to obviously have to put in just some four star. And I'm like, but all the four stars suck. And they do. Right. right? Like all the four stars have three power now. So that's that's nice at least. Yeah. Unless they're strike patrol, then they have five power and it's unfair. Sure. But, but that, and that's the point. Like, that's the point I'm trying to make here with this is, um, you know, this is a cars deck. I, I definitely wouldn't be trying to play, uh, what a sports park car patrol with this or something, right? Like that's it just doesn't make any sense. But the the fact that Stakeout it has stealth, and the fact that he's got you know a relevant side to flip to to just soak an attack and getting one defense off, like cool, like it it's fine, like it's 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 not going to do a ton to you. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's 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 a reasonable card. I don't think you're is, ever going to use its ability. He is one of three four-star specialists. That mm-hmm. makes him very like important. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of two four-star Autobot specialists, uh, which is usually those specialist decks also want confidence. Right. Um, so that detour is not as good. But uh, he's he's a fine guy. I don't know. I, I like all the Micromasters from Wave 4. I think they're all good for the game in general. Sure. Yeah, I completely agree. They just Except for maybe up. the tank. There's like the one tank that has three health. Yeah, that the 3-3-3 three, three, three guy. Flat. Uh, other than that, they're all pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think, again, like I said, I, I just I wonder if there's something to this deck that doesn't require the all-out attacks and some of that really super high expensive stuff. And, and just for kind of honorable mention, there's a guy that put up this last week um, a deck that he calls a $950 deck. And it just basically has cliff jumper, slipstream, skydrive, and hyperdrive. And uh, it, it has three tandem targeting systems and three all-out attacks. And, of course, it's basically just taking the most expensive singles in the game and just piling them into a deck. It literally could not function. So that's why I say take everything that you see on Fortress Max- Maximus with a little bit of a grain of salt on the trending side. But when I look at these decks, I, I just think that the police brutality deck is pretty interesting. And I think the impactor four by four overdrive five white is also pretty interesting because impactor is really good and powertrain is pretty good. And so in an, 
in an aggro scenario, it's probably not a terrible deck. Uh, so just just something to think about. Like if you're like, I don't want to play the meta decks, uh, this is a good way to kind of, in my opinion, at least get a, a bead on things that are interesting to the community. And I'm specifically looking at decks that get upvoted. Uh, I think that, that that's a, a significant indicator of whether or not those decks are good. But I will have you know that Trucks and Bucks is still the third most popular deck on the, the entire site. You're welcome. Hey, man. Whatever. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I said but, nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I, I played Trucks and Bucks. It's not as bad as you think it is. I'm just going to tell you I, that right I'll now. tell you one thing. I played four-wheel drive on my... Uh, what's the other rescue patrol that's not red heat? I don't even remember. Uh, no, maybe he's off road patrol. I don't know. It looks like a it, van, about, but it's actually a truck. Are you talking about? Uh, oh, what is the stupid van? Uh, off road? No, off. I don't uh, know. High, you got high jump mudslinger powertrain. Maybe it's high jump. No, high jump's a big old monster. Hold on, hold on. I'll tell I don't you. know. Don't even worry about it. So one of the one of the crappy it's trucks tote. played in it's CO. Tote. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I Private played. Tote. I played a four wheel drive, four wheel drive on my tote, and I attacked with him for eight pierce eight in that sealed, and it felt pretty good. Yeah, like four wheel drive is like a really bad reckless charge if you have a truck because they're all three power. Right. So it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. No, it, I, it, I don't know how many bucks I would win though. I would well, play a know. lot of trucks and I would win like a buck. Maybe, but... Uh, trucks still... and buck. <laughs> I think you can win $2. It's at least as good okay, as a $2 okay. so bill. The X is applicable then at least. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> trucks and two bucks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah. So anyways, I just think that is something that, um, you know, as we look at this in the future and as we go into future episodes, it's something that I think we'll continue to kind of bring out from time to time. I'm not sure we'll cover it in every episode, but if uh, we get into a recording and I see something interesting, I think we can bring it up at the tail end to talk about it. The uh, one thing I do want to add we're, as we're wrapping up this particular episode is the shufflebus.com is now live. I'm super excited. That's the exciting. Site, the site needs a little bit of work. Um, I'm it's worth not- zero bucks. It's you're right. It cost me but dollars. It's solid not, gold. <laughs> it has cost me dollars, not uh, not generated me dollars. Trucks but, and negative bucks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I did I did for fun post the trucks and bucks as a placeholder article on decklist. I think Neil and I will spend some time over the future months uh, releasing some decklists that we like to have fun with, whether they're for competitive use or whether they're for casuals at your local or whatever it may be. But also just talking more about this stuff, stuff that we don't cover necessarily in the pod. Um, and, and, you know, I think mostly what you'll find is information about the pod here, but I do think that there's other things there. And then of course, uh, a lot of people don't realize, but the reason we actually started shuffle bus was because we wanted to cover more than just transformers. So at right. some point, the bus only be... turned into a robot like six months ago or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, before we've been that, talking was about just the a bus. bus. For, yeah. We've been talking about the bus forever. <laughs> In fact, we, uh, we even for a long time put it under, uh, punch it plays, which was, um, our, our game development company. So, uh, there are some else, there are some learn to plays for various different trading cards out trading card games out there under the punch it plays YouTube channel. I'm probably going to try to port some of those over cause I think they're relevant, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, I just I, I hope that our users know that there's lots of ways to interact with us and there's lots of ways to uh, keep up and, 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 you know, go with us on this uh, this journey as we explore different card games, including Transformers. So do you have anything to add? Are you going to do anything fun on the website besides, you know, me recording you rapping? Like I'm actually going to take video and post it. Well, I hope you're not going to take video, <laughs> but did we find out if it's made top 32 or not? Not yet. Nope. Nope. They haven't released Okay. It. Well then I feel better. I, you, you like caught me off guard there. I got really scared. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just wanted to make you sweat for a minute. That's all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come visit our website. We put up a, the article about Marvel Champions. Yes. I, so I did post we, my review on We Marvel love other Champions. games too. Um, if you ever want to play other games, hit me up. Like, I'm always in. Yeah, the majority be... of you that are listening to this, I assume, will only interact with me for Transformers. But uh, both Jesse and I are into like all the games, and this just happened to be the one that stuck the most for us. Yeah, and I, I definitely gonna be posting my review for the Eternal deck builder uh, coming yeah, that soon. Game's sweet. Yeah, I I think um, I think people will be surprised by that particular game, but um, there's there's definitely more to come, and if there's kinds of content you would prefer to consume uh we'd love to know about it because we want to offer the best kind of website in general for consumption of card game related content so beyond transformers going into other card games but also transformers like what kind of content do you want to see we think there's tons of great content creators out there and so obviously our podcast is still heavily focused on transformers uh, and will be for the foreseeable future, but it also allows us kind of when transformers. Right. I'm not going to stop down. until I'm the best. I'm coming for you, Dan. I... Uh, that's a that is a bold, bold statement. He knows it. I told him today. Okay, good, good. I'm I'm happy. Now everybody with... knows it. Now everybody does. Yeah, there's no hiding <laughs> from it, man. You you are totally on record at this point. Uh, I am just going to continue to work on improving my game. Right. This so, is just going to cause me to lose a lot more bets, I think. You're, you're, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> like, that's probably 100% true. The only difference is you're probably going to end up betting with people that aren't just... I'm going to, like, run for city council or something in 10 years. And somebody's going to, like, like put up a... Don't vote for Neil Moe, man. One time he rapped about transforming robots. <laughs> <laughs> I think if that happened, I think you'd probably win the election. Right. right it's just know? a positive for me. It, yeah. I, I, I don't know what I'm thinking. High... Let's make more bets. Yeah. You just should make a ton more <laughs> bets. Like, and and yeah, I mean, I mean we got to come up with a new contest coming into the new year. So I think I, we're going to be I'm, I'm not ready that. to bet on anything until we know what happened at the recent bet. Because that may change my opinion of the whole deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. But that's not I'm, how this I'm works. in for something wacky going into uh, Origins next year. Yeah, definitely, man. We should talk about that. And I think that'll all depend on what Wave 5 looks like, too. And whether or not I'm always in for a good six. pie in the face. I don't, I don't know about you. Man, I, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> definitely. Let's do some pies. Let's... <laughs> Whatever, I'm I'm down. That's that's how you get views on the internet is doing stupid stuff. Although pie over the radio doesn't work, so I'm not sure. I mean, are we? Oh yeah. I mean, we like you we could just it. be faking it. Like yeah, right. Like we could just make the noise. And nobody know whether you actually well, took a pie to the face or not. We'll we'll come with something good going into oranges next year. Yep, yep. I agree. I think I think at the very least we should have an insular bet on who places better at origins next year. And they're like eventually there'll be a good Megatron. There has to be. I'm hearing crickets. Just but 
like law of averages. I'm I'm adding cricket sounds into okay. post for this. Just editing it, yeah. <laughs> I so no, but I agree. So I mean, obviously, I think this is we we've gone over time here today. Um, we always go over time, but we try to we try to be respectful. Um, whatever so, the last twelve minutes or whatever that we went over time is all nonsense. You guys could have stopped listening then, like twenty minutes ago. Been it's it's your own fault if you're still here now. <laughs> That's true. But all right. So um, obviously this is going to wrap up uh, 2019 and the shuffle bus for 2019. Uh, We will be back in the new year, 2020, uh, leading into Orlando. Uh, Maybe we'll give a sneak preview to what I'm bringing to Orlando if I come. Um, Maybe Niels will stay secret because he's going after Dan Arnold. So, uh, yeah, that might be necessary. I don't know. Um, But obviously We'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, I don't know if I'll know what I'm playing until the day before, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think I'm going in with a couple plans, but uh, I don't know, again, what I'll actually play. I'll kind of feel what whatever I get the most reps of. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to us and making 2019 a great inaugural year for the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate all of you listening to us, and the bus will be back in 2020. Thanks, everybody.